0: What is up, everybody, and welcome to the All NBA Show, part of the All City Podcast Network. I'm your host Adam Matez, and I'm joined by my esteemed colleague Tim Legler. Legs, not a great night in the association last night, but lucky for us, it's the end of the year, so we get to talk about the whole year, not just last night.
1: Yeah, our last our last chance to uh, do a show together in 2023. I think it's a great time to kind of recap. The past year, maybe look ahead a little bit to to, to, 2024, what we expect. And you're right. Unfortunately, the slate of games wasn't great going in. There were a couple I was very interested in. And for a couple of reasons, they ended up not being what I expected to see. Uh, We're going to go over and just kind of do a rapid fire of of all those games. But I think the bigger bigger takeaway for today's show is going to be what 2023 was all about and, and maybe look ahead to 2024.
0: And if you're watching along in the chat, play along with us as we look back. We're going to start by asking uh, the first big question we're going to ask is looking back at 2023 and what you remember about it. So you can go ahead in the chat and let us know what is the one thing you're going to remember about 2023. But first, we are presented as always by DraftKings Fantasy Sports. Check out what DraftKings has to offer this season with code ALL NBA. Because life's more fun when you're in on the action. DraftKings, the crown is yours. If you have a gambling problem, call 1 800 GAMBLER. Agent eligibility restrictions apply. Void were prohibited. See DraftKings.com for details. Let's start, though, by doing a speed run. Because these games didn't really warrant a deep dive, uh, like I said, a little bit of a down night in the association, let's just do a speed run of the games that happened, and we'll start with what would be the top story and the one actual good game last night. The Detroit Pistons build a 20-point lead on the Boston Celtics. This is such a classic, Legs. This was to tie the losing streak record. So you have the worst team in the NBA going up against the best team in the NBA in their building. So, of course, naturally, this was a close game. Should have been a 20-point blowout. But this one, to me, the Pistons just slowly bled out throughout the course. They get a 20-point lead, and they just slowly lose it. Um, And now they have tied the record, 28 straight losses, a record nobody wants to hold. Do you have any takeaways or thoughts just from this one, how it went down, or the implications now for the Pistons?
1: Yeah, I mean, first thought is just, again, the sickening feeling you have for guys going through it, you know, and, and how demoralizing it is to go through not only just the losing streak and then it becomes historic losing streak, but then even within that, these individual games that, yeah. you know, a number of these have been winnable, right? One possession games, you know, four minutes to go, you know, and, and look, one win, people might you know, mock the Pistons or whatever. I'm just telling you to stop that, you know, you can't even begin to explain or quantify what that's going to mean to this group of players. And right. I'm not saying we're going to then go on a six game winning streak, but would not be surprised after this giant refrigerator is taken off of their backs. If they don't start to win some of these closed games that they have lost. And, you know, maybe right. over the next, you know, 15, they go five and ten. And that, that sounds like anything like crazy, but when you think when you're two and twenty-eight, that is right. So it, you but first you've got to get the stigma removed. And they were so close last night. And I don't know. Like I I, I did watch a, you know, a decent amount of this game. I don't know really still if it was like more about Boston just kind of mentally not being as sharp as they needed to be. Or Detroit played really well, man. Uh, In a a tough environment. So I think it was a combination of both. But, again, ultimately, you kind of sensed it. Once it got to overtime, like Boston was going to win the game at that point. There's no doubt. Like, you you know, Boston's going to win now. They're not going to allow this to happen tonight. And sure enough, they get a six-point win in overtime. But uh, more than anything else, it's just the same sickening feeling I have for the Pistons players, and especially for Monty Williams. The look on his
0: face every time they show him uh, toward the end of games, I feel terrible for him. All of them are wearing it. I mean, right now, even Cade Cunningham, you could just see it on his face, this look of just like being stuck in the mud, and, and 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 they're giving it all they had. I mean, this was a playoff game, basically, for the Pistons, not wanting to own this record or at least share the record. Let me ask this. Is there any chance this is, ultimately, when we remove ourselves from this a year, is there any chance this is actually a good thing for like a Cade Cunningham? Just... You, you reach the bottom of the barrel and it's like I never want to be back there that's what he looks like right now he looks like a guy that is just like I have to get out of this circumstance this losing streak is there any chance uh there's no there's no nothing good from come from something like this right. <laughs> no not this, right. this not to
1: this level it it's certainly you know you go through a season you know that normal bad season yeah. by NBA standards. you know you win 18-20 games for a for a guy that's you know the number one pick and, and a guy that's you know you hope could be the face of your franchise that can be definitely some growing pains and and it, it almost creates a hunger within you but that you can learn that from winning 18 20 games you know winning seven and being going down in infamy i i don't i don't know that there's anything positive from that extra amount of losing that you're going to glean from that no i don't i really don't i think this is just something that becomes incredibly stressful Creates a lot of anxiety. I think it, it's something you take home with you when you're when you're in this type of situation. Um, so no, I don't think there's any benefit to being this bad. You know, one thing though, like he's obviously playing very very well right now, and I think anybody that had some questions about him and his his ceiling or production ceiling yeah. at this level, I think he's I think he's moving that forward a little bit right now. If there's any one good thing to take from this, I think it has been the way that Kate Cunningham is playing right now during this losing streak and the way that he is going out there night in, night out and producing really high volume numbers. um, I'm not sure a lot of people knew even still maybe, and some people still have doubts maybe what ultimately is Cade Cunningham as your best player or as a number one pick in the draft. But I think he's starting to move that, move that line up a little bit.
0: Yeah. I, I, That's why I asked the question, honestly, is I feel like Cade is better right now than he's ever been. And there just seems to be this like, (laughs) like him trying to will this team to a victory right now. And that's why I thought maybe there's something to this. Like you get this bitter taste and you, you run from it the rest of your career. You're almost haunted by this losing, but it sounds like, you know, you being the professional athlete, I'll take your word on it. Um, Pacers Bulls, 120-104 Pacers get the win. Halliburton, 20 assists, zero turnovers. It is the fifth game this year that Taliberton has had zero turnovers, legs in those games, 20 assists, 17 assists, 15, 15, and 13 assists. That's kind of wild to have the ball in your hand that much, go for zero uh, turnovers again, uh, and that many assists. He just, I mean, he I am not want to say the Pacers are back, but this is a, a throwback performance to what they were doing pre-ISD. Yeah,
1: he took over the game too. I mean, as a scorer, yeah, this was a game in which the Pacers went out to a 20-plus point lead. Bulls come back, you know, as, as is very common in the NBA, a race at all. Then they go up, and now Indiana's got to kind of claw their way out, and, and, and Halliburton takes over in the fourth quarter. To, to put it in historical context, I don't have the exact year, but they, they did a graphic on the game when I was watching it last night. The last time a player had 20 points, 20 assists, and zero turnovers in a game was Isaiah Thomas. And I'm not talking about the second Isaiah Thomas – I'm right. um, at the first Isaiah Thomas. I believe it was in the 80s. It was the last time you saw a guy with that combination of scoring, production, playmaking, and, and zero turnovers. That's what you watched last night. Um, And it, so, yeah, it's a good win. The Bulls have been playing a lot better. Indiana yep. uh, Indiana goes in there against a team that's, that's definitely become a tough win. And yep. build a big lead, lose it, and then they regain their composure late and Halliburton kind of ended it with his three-point shooting in the fourth quarter. It was a, it was a really special night for him, and he hasn't been as good post-in-season tournament as he was before it, but he's starting to pick it up again, and he's starting to play the very same way that he was leading into that when he was getting you know basically national. He became a national story, and then he didn't play as well coming out, and now he's starting to pick it up to that level again.
0: The Timberwolves got the win last night over the Dallas Mavericks, but no Kyrie, no Luka Doncic this was uh this is like an ugly win 118 to 110 very unimpressive from minnesota anthony edwards went for 44. i i don't these are the games when we were talking about why we're not doing a deep dive this was a game we talked about yesterday we're excited for it and then you get the the no Luca game and it kind of doesn't matter is there anything to take away or to talk about on this game
1: no and and here's why like i get it if you're a fan of either of those teams okay and like you just invested in every night you're going to watch that game and it's part of being a fan you understand you know you you have teams you love and guys are hurt sometimes and you still want to win you're super invested in that two and a half hours um and if you're just a flat out hoop junkie you know and you're just gonna watch nba all night and go around league pass and see all the games you're gonna watch for guys like us that are trying to learn something every single night we watch games as soon as you find out luca's not playing like you're not learning anything because it doesn't matter even if dallas yeah, and no Kyrie, even if Dallas's role players somehow win that game, the very first place you're taking the conversation is about Minnesota in a negative way. They weren't ready to play. You know, people start questioning, hey, you know, what is that about? How good are you? You see, I told you they're not that good. It's all smoke and mirrors. Like that's that becomes a conversation, not about what Dallas did because that's your natural focus is going to be best team in the league. You play a team without Luka Doncic to Kyrie Irving. There's no way you can lose the game. And if you do, it has to be something with you. You weren't ready to play. You weren't motivated. Right. Psychologically, you took your foot off the gas because those guys were out. So games like that, I'm sorry. I just don't learn a whole lot. It ended up, you know, Minnesota wins the game a little bit closer than probably you would think. Anthony Everett's had a great night, but we've seen a lot of those. So, no, to be honest with you, no. And, and as soon as I found out Luca wasn't playing, for me, that means I don't need to watch this game.
0: Right here. Here's the worst part legs. And I know you are going to hate this one. Um, This comes from Jace Frederick who does a great job covering the Minnesota Timberwolves for the Pioneer Press. The Timberwolves advertise coming into the year, a 10 game all-star package, you know, get buy buy a ticket to 10 games and you'll catch all the stars from around the league. This is how they, the league see the league's biggest stars. First one was new Orleans, no Zion. Second one was Oklahoma city. Everybody played. Third one was the Lakers. No LeBron. Fourth one was this Dallas game, no Luca. So there, everybody buy a ten game pass to see the biggest stars. Three of the four games did not feature the stars of which they advertised that ten game package. It's a real problem in the NBA. It drives me nuts. We talked coming into the season: is this uh, load management rule going to fix this problem? It hasn't so far. We still get nights like this, and you get games like this where it's it's just frustrating. I don't know what you do about it.
1: Um, and look, I'll say this: I'll say this about Luca he wants to play every night. I really believe that about him. And, and, you know, the, the, the previous game, you know, he had big numbers, um, in that game. They lost the game, but very early in the game, I think the very first play of the game, he scored a basket, came down and like sort of gingerly ran back and he's got a quad strain. He played the rest of the game. He played very well. They lost the game, uh, late, gave up a lead, but he, he looked fine physically the entire night, but at least there was some indication at some point in the game that there was something bothering him. So, you know, they're going to give him the night off and a back to back. Okay. Tonight's the night we're right. going to rest. It's just, it's just but that's fine. I understand that that's part of the NBA. It's, but just the, the thought process around you are healthy enough to play, but you are not playing. That's the new right. concept that we all have to embrace. So as a result, it's buyer beware. When you go to a regular NBA game, and that I never right. felt that was the case you know prior to probably five years ago, you know, yeah. unless a guy was legit, and you know, it, you know, sometimes it's the night before a guy gets hurt, and you got tickets to the next game. Well, that's just bad luck. That happens. Right. That's not what we're talking about. So I, you're right. right. It's the fans that pay ultimately. The fans pay the price, and guys like us pay the price. Let's be fair because we want to watch these games <laughs> right. and come on and give great content on a great yep. game between two teams that are relevant in the West and you want to see both teams of full strength and you can take certain things from it and and hopefully make some people smarter and you're just not able to do it, man, when they don't play, sorry.
0: Yeah, Uh, the Pelicans beat the Jazz. Zion goes for 21 points, 10 rebounds, eight assists. This game was closer than it should have been given how bad the Jazz are. Um, But Pelicans grabbed the win here. Do you have any notes on this one?
1: Well, just that it's funny because the conversation around Laurie marketing that we had yesterday, and that I think is, is it's kind of up in the air now a little bit. If you just, you know, Google it, right. You're going to see all these different topics of conversation around Laurie marketing being moved at the jazz, going a different direction. So now it's like you watch jazz games and you're watching a little differently, right. You're just, you're just yeah. really focused on you know, marketing, right. And trying to think of a fit or whatever it may be. And we were playing around yesterday with the thunder doing what, what it would take to get him and how he would fit in. So that's, and he had another good game, man, 24 and 10. And this is kind of like a standard night for him. That's that's yep. what Laurie Marketing is. That's what yep. he does night in, night out. And so I was kind of watching from that standpoint. Look, this is one of those games. You're New Orleans, you're at home, and you got the jazz in there. You gotta win the game. You got everybody playing, all your top three are healthy, gotta win the game. And they took care of business. Sometimes it doesn't matter if it's a buzzer beater or a 20-point beatdown. NBA, these all pros. These guys can play. If everybody's out there playing though, and you're at home against, and you're a superior team, you're supposed
0: to win that game. And they took care of business. If there was one game that I think did have some kind of meaning to it, it was this one. The Heat beat the Warriors in Golden State, one fourteen to one hundred two. The Heat moved to nineteen and twelve. The Warriors fall to fifteen and sixteen. But what's interesting about this one? You know, Christmas Day, there's no Jimmy Butler and there's no Joel Embiid, so you think it's Maxi time. Well, Maxi has a horrible shooting night, probably his worst game of the year. Tonight, you go into uh, Golden State, you play on their court, Steph Curry goes 3 of 15. I feel like the, the Heat are the team that do this to you. They they are the off-night team. They come into your building and it's like, yeah, you're, whatever your best thing is, we're going to take that away and let's see what you have. The Warriors now dropped two games in a row. They lost Draymond. We thought, okay, maybe let's see. They had a little bit of a Cinderella run for a minute there, won a couple games, but now they dropped two in a row, including a home one to the Heat. What do you make of that?
1: Uh, this is a very tough team to, to have to play ever, and no matter where you're playing them, I and to play them at home. And I know they were struggling uh, for a while. Then the Heat, the Warriors got hot, lost a game, and that's the last thing you want to see is Miami, man. It would be nice to you know, close out the year. Let let me get, give me somebody in here that is like right. we're favored against. Miami comes in, and here's the thing that's crazy about Miami: beginning of the year, man, I, I don't know that I talked about the Heat at all for the right. first two or three weeks of the season, Classic. because there's so many bigger storylines, right, and so many teams that are, I guess, on a, on a, on another tier, and then players changing teams, like so. There was just so much rookies. There's so much conversation at the start of the year. He would get no talk, and they didn't they didn't play very well at the start of the year. Man, you look up now, and they're nineteen and twelve, and they're just they're just ascending in the Eastern Conference. And this team played in the finals a year ago, and it's like before it's all said and done, you're gonna have to deal with the Miami Heat in the East. I think that's the message that I'm getting now, watching them play, man, and watching them last night. I you know, agree. Steph had a horrible night. Clay didn't play particularly well, uh, but the Warriors were still sort of in the game. Is weird. It was like a six eight point game, and just waiting for the Warriors to like get it to even. And at, maybe at home, that adrenaline can get you by. And then, and then bam, he hit him with like an 8-0 run. It goes to 16, and it basically stayed there for the most part the rest of the night. Very professional, workman-like, on-the-road win against a team that right now they should beat. And my bigger takeaway of all is check out the heat, man. Here they come. Yep, they're I'm they're, they're, they're climbing, they're getting right up in the mix. And before you know it, I have a feeling it's not just gonna be Boston, Milwaukee. And Philly, the little pause before you get to Philly, right? It's going to be Boston, Milwaukee, Philly, and Miami. and That's coming. It's not quite there, but it's it's on the way. And that's what I took out of last night.
0: I feel like the Heat are right on pace for last year. like oh, Only this time, everybody sees it coming a little bit better, where it's, okay, they're clearly behind those other three teams, but none of those other three teams want any piece of them. And this year, I mean, last night they started RJ Hampton in Golden State. And they get the win. Like, this is just a team that somehow figured out a way to do that every single time. The Spurs go into Portland and get a win, 118-105. to 105. Victor Wimbanyama put up a pretty interesting line as he does every about three or four games. 30 points, six rebounds, six assists, seven blocks. Uh, pretty wacky stat line uh, for two of the bottom dwellers in the Western Conference. What do you take away from that stat line or from this game?
1: Yeah, I the game was 20-4 to four to start, San Antonio. Uh, so if you sat down with a big bucket of popcorn because you wanted to see Victor mm-hmm. Wembanyama, you got your you got what you wanted because he put up right. big numbers and played great. But that game was over about six minutes in. <laughs> um, uh, but look, it, it, Victor Wembanyama is like, is like, it, it, he's interesting for me in that we kind of know that this is going to be two or three years down the road before we really know is he going to live up to these right. expectations. Um, most people thought coming in, it was just sort of runaway for him, for Rookie of the Year, just give it to him. And then you watch Chet Holmgren play, and you're like, okay, we got to have a different discussion now. Um, and Chet's playing in, in games that matter. So that's kind of my takeaway. Like, I'm going to watch Wembe you know, once a week. I'm going to watch him and just see how he's progressing, playing through contact and the physical part of the game and the consistency. I'm, and, and, and is he, like, getting to his spots better? Is he settling? is he playing as hard as he needs to play like i'm gonna watch him at least once a week uh last night was not one of those that's one of those nights they're playing the blazers i i'll I'll check out the box score the next morning and 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 i'll see what Victor did last night it's a good sign 30 points you're gonna have these nights splashed in throughout his season
0: the ultimate i'll just check the box score game the lakers dominated the hornets last night 133 to 112. they outscore them 41 to 23 in the third quarter not exactly a compelling game given what this Hornets roster is rolling out right now, but do you have any notes on this one? Uh, just that,
1: you know, for me, with the Lakers, even in the games they're supposed to win, and this was obviously one they're heavily favored and they, and they took care of business. I'm always looking at their three point shooting numbers. Mm. I just think it's such a barometer for them and how you, how legitimately, you know, you take them as making a real run at the West. It's very difficult if you're making. Eight, nine, ten threes against teams that are making sixteen, seventeen and teams that are shooting 40-45 and you're shooting 30. Now they only took 30, but they made 15 of them. So they wow. shot a really high percentage. And even in a blowout, that matters. Like it just matters. So that's the kind of my takeaway from that. Um, and then unfortunately for Charlotte right now, without ball playing, the only reason you're going to watch them is to see Brandon Miller and continue to watch his growth and his emergence. And um, uh, but that's yeah, that's a mismatch from Jump Street and the Lakers did what they're supposed to.
0: And then the last one, rounding out the speed run here, the Nuggets take care of business against the shorthanded Memphis Grizzlies. This was another game we were excited about coming into it because of how well the Grizzlies have been playing with John Morant, but he was out with an illness in this game and the Nuggets just rolled from the start, 142 to 105. Nikola Jokic, his third career triple-double on 100% shooting. Third legs? It's only been done like 12 times ever. Now three of them belong to him. Two of them in this calendar year, he goes for... A 26-point, 14-rebound, 10-assist, triple-double on 11-of-11 11 11 shooting, one of one from three, three of three from the foul line. What, what's your note here? All
1: right, so I think I'm, I'll put him in with one other player from last night and say all you need to know if you didn't see any games last night, you didn't miss much, first of all, other than some drama <laughs> right. up in Boston. That was that was kind of compelling, yeah. the drama in Boston, right? Yeah. Um if you didn't see anything and you just want to know what I need to know about last night, two pretty pretty historic performances between Halliburton, 20 yeah. points, 20 assists, um, no turnovers, and then what Jokic did. You just described it. You know, 11 for 11 from the field, triple, double, 14, boards, 10 dimes, uh, and yeah. going perfect from the field. Now, the game wasn't competitive. They win by 37 no. points. It's okay. It's very difficult to put that round object in that cylinder. I know I did it for 10 years. It's not that easy to do. So to be perfect in doing it while also controlling the game and dominating it in the other ways, that's honestly the biggest takeaway from last night, what Jokic did, what Halliburton did. Now we move on. And then if you didn't see any games, don't worry about catching up. Let's just move (laughs) on to tonight.
0: So coming into last night, the most field goals made without a miss this season was nine. I, I can't remember. I think it was Derek Lively he had a nine for nine game. And you got to imagine those are mostly dunks, right? Lobs to the yeah. rim, offensive and putbacks. Yeah. Uh, so Jokic goes for 11 for 11. Now he has the record for most makes without a miss. And by the way, he also tacked the triple double on top of it, which is just hilarious. Um, for me, I have two notes, though. Obviously, I cover the nuggets. I'm watching this game very closely. I have two notes for you. One, Jamal Murray is having a sneaky great year that has been disguised by the fact that he has been injured for most for about half of the year. But watching him last night, the thing that happened in the playoffs last year was he took his playmaking up a notch and just became this extremely low mistake decision maker in the pick and roll. The pick and roll looks easy for him. This year and last night in particular, he goes 9 of 12 in his own, almost perfect from the field in his own right, goes for 9 assists. Him and Jokic, he's almost on Jokic's level as a decision maker, just in the pick and roll. And so when you have two guys that almost read every pick and roll perfectly, um, you know, Denver is one of those teams that I think a lot of people are looking at going, okay, well, they haven't made a ton of noise so far this year. They're 23 and 10. And when those two guys are in the lineup, they tend to win by 20. So I I just would put that note in there that Jamal Murray is having a sneaky great year, even though the numbers aren't highlighting it. And he's sitting out fourth quarters a lot because when he's healthy, the Nuggets roll.
1: No, it's a, I love it. Uh, you know, the, he's we we Everybody knows how good he is, how critically he is. He's a champion, too. And so, you know, beginning of the year, you're missing him, and you don't realize what you're missing sometimes until a guy comes back and plays for a little while. Um, he's he's not going to put up the prolific numbers that some of these point guards in this league are, are right. putting up, even though he's absolutely in that category. It's a different role f- for him, and he's got Jokic, who's going to do a, an awful lot of the facilitating. The ball's going to be his hands a lot. So it's just different the way their team operates, the way their offense operates with another star player. But he's absolutely in the same category as the guys that are putting up these explosive scoring games that draw more attention and are splashier. Jamal Murray, with what he is doing and the way he plays for this team, this is one of the top point guards in the NBA. And he's reminding us of, of
0: that right now every night. An interesting thing that happened. And by the way, the Nuggets play the Thunder tonight. They've played twice already. Denver blew him out the first time. They actually lost the second time because the Thunder put the two big lineup out on the court. They played uh, Jalen Williams, the big Jalen Williams on Jokic and used Chet Holmgren as a roamer. And he had nine block shots in that game. To last night, an interesting storyline for the Nuggets has been Peyton Watson's emergence. He might be their sixth best player outside of their great starting five. That's how quickly he is rising. They started him last night in Aaron Gordon's absence and the uh, Memphis Grizzlies made the decision not to guard him. They left him wide open. He took 10 three-pointers last night. He doesn't take but one three-pointer a game. He took 10 last night because they were just choosing not to guard him and he goes four of 10. I think that that is something to watch over the next couple you know games as Peyton Watson starts because I do think that he is going to play an important role for the Nuggets in the playoffs and I imagine that there are teams that are going to say, okay, rookie not known as a shooter." let's force the ball in his hands. And I think he is a good enough shooter to not, that that strategy shouldn't work. Last night he goes four of 10, and obviously Denver broke it. So that's a storyline for the Nuggets. that's a little under the radar. Let's take a break. On the other side, let's get into our 2023 wrap up, as well as our look forward to the 2024 season. We're gonna talk about what will we remember about this season uh, when we get removed from it? What things are gonna last to history? That on the other side, but first, we're getting into the new year. You guys know, you can sign up at DraftKings sportsbook right now using that promo code all NBA and you can get 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just 5 bucks on any game. That could be NBA, that could be college basketball, that could be college football with all the bowls coming up. Maybe you sprinkle a little parlay, 20 game parlay bet on all the bowl games. Uh whatever you want to do here as the new year uh turns, there's always great sports going on. Super Bowl not far away. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code All NBA. New customers get 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just five dollars on basketball. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code All NBA. The crown is yours. If you have a gambling problem, call one eight hundred Gambler or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, you can call 8778HOPENY or text HOPENY, that's 467 369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888 789 7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus varies, age by dir- jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com basketball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms and eligible and responsible gaming resources. All right, back here, segment two. Let's start to look back now. We got through those games. Let's start to look back, and I'm going to ask you, what do you think you were going to remember? And you could, it doesn't have to be one thing, but what are the things you think you're going to remember about 2023 in the NBA? All right, so I got I've got one thing
1: um, I'm going to remember for for like bad reasons, and one for very good reasons. So which one would you like to hear yep. first? Let's get the bad news out of the way. All right. I think I think how can you escape like remembering 2023, and it, it, it even goes a little earlier into 2022 when it all began the complete epic failure and implosion of the Brooklyn Nets and and what they put together right. Man, um, yeah,
0: that's a good one. I
1: mean, I mean, think about it. like on paper when they put those three guys together, it wasn't just like you know, it was almost a foregone conclusion. There's no way you're going to be able to stop this team, and this team's going to be rolling toward a championship, if not multiple championships, in the years to come. And look at how that ended. Um, and it really ended at the training deadline, you know, a year ago um, when Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant, both go. Uh, you know, Harden had already left by then. So you look at you look at the implosion of something that looked like a surefire thing, like can't miss situation. And maybe some people would disagree with that, you know. And I think so. Anybody that's a skeptic now, I, I do think that's a little bit. Come on, man. That's that's hindsight twenty twenty. When they put that together, regardless of how you felt about James Harden and Kyrie Irving, right. that looked like something that was going to be unstoppable. And they have nothing to show for it. And they end up jettisoning all those guys off for various parts, the parts unknown. And now um, that's what the Brooklyn Nets were left with. And now they're basically a 500 team with some young talent. We'll see, you know, where, where they go from there. But For me, th- like that storyline has to be there for, and, uh, from the bad, uh, on the bad side, on the good side. It's got to well, be done. Okay,
0: right, go ahead. I like it. No, 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 go ahead. About I'll let you go or? because it's the Nuggets. I'm not going to interrupt you with some Nuggets love.
1: Uh, no, no. OK, I didn't know if you I should ask you, you want to comment on what I just mm-hmm. said, but and I, we're going to hear yours, obviously, for 2023 as well. But I think that it's got to be the Nuggets, man. It's got to be the breakthrough for the franchise winning a championship with this this transcendent player, this generational player um, who had already won MVPs but didn't have postseason success to be able to answer the bell, man, and, and get this thing across the finish line and do it the way he did, you know, sweeping a guy like LeBron James in the uh, Conference Finals, winning the NBA Finals, uh, doing it in historic fashion with the numbers he was putting up throughout the postseason. So yeah. this player, right, and what he has become, which is the story in and of itself, when you look at his beginnings and, and where he was selected and everything else, to now take a franchise that hadn't won a championship and get that thing across the finish line and be as great as he was, um, for me, it's gotta be the Denver Nuggets and Nikola Jokic and that accomplishment.
0: I see these two storylines somewhat connected in this way, Legs. The Brooklyn Nets story to me was, in some ways, the story of the limits of the super team era, right? That was a team that was assembled, that was conspired to be like, hey, let's put ourselves together and we'll put ourselves in this can't-miss opportunity. And obviously, it failed spectacularly. A lot of that has to do with injuries, but some of it just has to do with what lessons were really learned from that experiment from Kyrie, Katie, and James Harden. Time will tell, but I don't know. Then you look at the Denver Nuggets, where Jokic already had his MVP seasons without his partner, Jamal Murray. And he obviously very clearly saw the limits of what individual accolades could get you. But they found team success. And the Nuggets played one of the best, in my opinion, one of the best team uh, games that we've seen in the last 10 years or so. You know, up there with the Warriors and, and some of those iconic teams. So they had they formed this real team with one superstar and I wonder if that it actually will look back on it as a little bit of a line of demarcation and say the Nets disaster, the Nuggets' is success. Maybe teams start aiming at different things. I think that's a real storyline for me of 2023 is this sort of return of the team team game, uh, and we I, see I, it I, in
1: I, I a great take. I think that I think I love the way you put, you connected those two situations because if we're if we're really keeping track and doing the numbers on this thing, more of these more of these uh, attempts to throw guys together in a tight window and win have failed than have succeeded by yep. far. So you wonder if now you do sort of get away with that. Now look, you might, you know, you might get a, you know, who knows, maybe the Clippers make a run to a championship this year and you go, okay, well, there you go. You know, they, right. this is kind of what they just did and it worked out. But to this point it hasn't. And I don't know who's going to bet on them to do it again. So maybe,
0: maybe there is some connection there. I like that. I like you bring it together. I like that 2023 is also the year for me of the next generation arriving. And I'm talking about Anthony Edwards, uh, Tyrese Maxey, Tyrese Halliburton, uh, Jalen Williams, and a little in Oklahoma City, you could throw in there. Shea Gilgis Alexander, 2022, he kind of arrived, but 2023 took it to a whole other level. To me, that's the next generation. And they're all sort of just now breaking into, they're not good second tier players they're breaking into that top tier of top tier guys and we've already had the Luka the Jokic the Giannis that like those guys have already taken over the league in large uh, a large portion of it but this next generation of 23 24 years and and younger and those guys look like they are ready now to compete at the the high level that to me is 2023 that generation kind of announcing their arrival I like that a lot would you include the Aaron Fox in that as well you know what? Why not? We could put him in there because he had such a big breakout year. I think he's – is he a little bit older? Or is he actually yeah. – yeah, I think he's a little the older. These guys come into the league so young sometimes. I lose track right. of how
1: young they are uh, when right. they've been around for a little bit. But, yeah, no, I like that a lot. I Because, I, look, and the other thing that we're always thinking about, the void that is going to be created when LeBron James or Steph Curry are gone from this league. right? So the guys you're mentioning right now are giving you a taste of not just in terms of like who's going to win it's it's also in, ter- in terms of who is must see who is right. entertaining who is entertaining on that level that every time you watch him you think you're going to maybe see something that's going to make you kind of jump out of your seat like you can't believe what you just saw uh where's that where's that going to come from and so the guys you just mentioned that's the list of players look it doesn't look like LeBron is going anywhere anytime soon, Steph either. They're both playing still at a really high level. So I don't know how much longer they'll be around, but they've been around so long, particularly LeBron, it's just natural to start thinking about who's going to take that torch. And the guys you just mentioned, like, I think that's part of the conversation. It's very important to the NBA because they market players more than anything else. And it's like, who is that going to be when those guys leave from an entertainment standpoint, a, a spokesman for the league type standpoint? Um, just the fan bases that they've created nationwide who's who's it
0: going to be and I think you just gave us a pretty good short list of some of the some of the candidates you mentioned LeBron to me 2023 is a little bit about LeBron as well because they win in 2020 the Lakers do and I thought 2021 and 2022 there was a lot of signs of decline in LeBron and I kind of thought like okay the end is near he's he you could see these dots going downwards I feel like 2023 was this bounce up you know, obviously they make a run to the Western Conference Finals. He gets big wins there. He plays great in the Conference Finals, albeit in a sweep. And then out the gate so far this year, I just almost feel like LeBron is having an uptick right now over the last three years, which is not anything I predicted. So LeBron to me is a little bit of a story of 2023 that this late into his career, he is still a threat to go to the Conference Finals and maybe even finals. That's not something I would have predicted coming into 2023, to be honest with you. I thought we were at the Farewell tour ish portion of his career.
1: No, that's a, that's a, listen. It's every. It, it's at the point now. I stop thinking about it anymore. It's. I'm going to let know, that story right, create. Let that story write itself because the speculation it, yep. it it defies logic. Like there's nothing yep. I can say that logically makes sense for a guy this age to look this good and to play this way and to look this good physically and still be relevant and even though the Lakers are like a little bit above 500, they're they're always going to be a team you're thinking about and talking about because of how good LeBron looks physically and can they potentially make a run? So no, it's fair, man. And, and, you know, 2023, I have a feeling we could be doing this exact show next year at the end of 2024 (laughs) saying the same thing about LeBron James. Like that's, that's how far he is to me from looking like he's going to decline. I think if, if he declines, from a production standpoint, it's almost feels like it's gonna be orchestrated because he's just kind of dialing it into more of a playmaker type role, which he can. I mean, if you wanted to, man, he could probably average 18 points a game and and average 10, 12 assists. a game and play
0: five more years if you wanted to do that and take some of that scoring load off your shoulders. I think he might do it. I mean, honestly, it might make sense for him. Uh, And then lastly, the in-season tournament, you know, it's such a big storyline. It sounds like it's here to stay. I think we'll remember the weird courts and the weird jerseys and the, you know, I as to, as we go, as we move on from it, you know, I'm not, I, I'm lukewarm to it. It's not, I don't dislike it. I don't love it as much as I did in the early days, but, um, I think we'll just remember the end season tournament as 2023. It's just, it, that's good. Yeah, that's
1: good. Yeah. It's so, it's so, it's so close to 2024. Maybe some people wouldn't have considered yeah. that. Yeah, you're right. That's when it all sort of took shape. That's the first time we heard about it over the summer. Um, and I think there was skepticism. I know I was one. I was a skeptic that this was going to be something guys were going to care that much about, and it turns out they did. Now, we have we did see some lingering after effects of that for some of these teams um, that, that, that went all in on it and, and some of the struggles they had coming right out of it, right. and I think there was you know, a good debate on whether the Lakers should have hung that banner or not. Um, you know, <laughs> in, right. in that story, among those, all those other storied banners, that's a whole other conversation. The bottom line is it created compelling – Television, it created some drama. Guys were into it. They were articulate about how it meant, meant more and felt oh. different. And that's what we were trying to go for as
0: a league, and they accomplished it. What would you say, just to get out of here of this 2023 segment, who do you think is most glad that 2023 is over? Who had a forgettable 2023? I'm going with Clay Thompson. Okay. I'm
1: going with Clay. And look, he, he had a good stretch in 2023.
0: For yeah, a while,
1: but the way it ended for him in the last series of the season against the Lakers and the way it's going for him this year at the start of the season, I think Clay Thompson, more than anybody, man, I hope he's got some some good champagne ready to go. Uh when that clock strikes midnight to turn to 2024, 20, he flips the calendar. Uh, I think Clay Thompson is glad to see this year gone, man, for him yeah. because his standard is so high. I know how much it means to him. He's kind of wearing that right now externally, and you can see it, very frustrated with the way he's played. And, uh, you know, he's going to keep grinding, and we'll see if we can turn it around. But I think he's glad to get this calendar year behind him but the way it ended yeah. the, in the last season and the way it's gone so far this year.
0: I went with John Morant. I think John Morant, if you think That's about... Cool. That was my second of- choice. Yeah. 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 The start of 2023, I think, was the we're good in the West comment. That that was like early 2023. And from that moment, you know, the Memphis Grizzlies crashed and burned. And obviously he's gotten himself into some off-court troubles. And, and now it, it's almost fitting that he returned midway through December because it really is like, okay, let's close the the book on this horrible year. And while the season might be over for the Grizzlies, just given where they are in the standings, the year doesn't have to be as they build toward, towards something. Uh, the only other candidate I had was Zach Levine. I think Zach Levine has had a pretty forgettable uh, 2023 and you know, likely traded in 2024 and kind of starts the second half of his career. And I'm, I'm guessing he is pretty excited for 2023 and that chapter of his career to be over with. Um, all right, let's take a break. On the other side, let's look forward to 2024 and talk about some of our predictions, including who has the most pressure uh, and which teams are going to be making the playoffs, not the play-in, but the actual playoffs. All of that and more on the other side. But first, as you are turning your book uh, to 2024, you might want to be making some life changes, staying on budget with your meals, uh, or even just trying to stay on diet with your meals. That's why we are providing you with Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service. And they can help you eat well for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef prepared dietitian dietician-approved, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. These take roughly two minutes uh, in the microwave before they are ready. And they taste phenomenal. They have all of these different options from calorie smart, vegan and veggie, protein plus, keto, and a whole lot more. The chef uh, inspired options arrive on their website every week. They have over 35 options for you to pick from. You just select whichever ones you want, however many you want. They deliver them straight to your door. You don't have to worry what's for dinner every night, have to go shopping, do all those different things. Get on track with Factor Meals. Head to factormeals.com slash allmba50 and use code allmba50 to get 50% off. That's a huge discount, by the way. Sometimes we do these reads, you almost like glaze over. 50% off, you're paying half price with your order when you go to factormeals.com slash allmba50 and use that code allmba50. All right, back here for segment three now. Let's look ahead to 2024. And I'm gonna start by asking you which team has the most pressure on them in twenty twenty four. Which team do you think is feeling the pressure?
1: Mm, man, oh man, oh man. So I got if all these pressure questions. It seems like it's three the same three teams, the same three uh, players from those three teams, right? And okay. some coaches involved too, right? I, I just think it's it to me. It's, it's, it's like three three that really stand out to me. Um, so, but if I had to pick one team. The most pressure on it, I'm going to have to go with the Boston Celtics. Ooh, okay, uh, we have a different one. I like it. Yeah, okay, I'm going with Boston, and I'm not going to say the other two because maybe one of them's yours. So I'll let you. I don't want to steal your thunder. The the Boston Celtics for me, because they have been on the threshold. They have been very close. Yep. They've been in the in the mix here for half a dozen years, as a team that you know with a with a great player. That's gotten better pretty much every year that you spend. One of these years, they're going to break through and do it. Um, some te- people thought maybe going into last year that was going to be the case. And then they had a you know, coaching change right before the season. And they ended up – they got knocked out right. in the playoffs. And they don't make even make it to the finals after losing to the Warriors the year before. But now you've gone out. The excuse, I think, about um, Joe Mazzulla, like being inexperienced, well, you can't use that anymore. You can't use that anymore. Not now. He's been through it. He's been through an entire postseason. He's back again now. He's getting more comfortable every night. So that's not an excuse. And it's also certainly not an excuse. They don't have enough because they went out and they added Porzingis. They added Drew Holiday. They've got enough to win it. They're the favorites to win it. I think right now, um, look, Denver's going to have a lot to say with that in terms of how people view who the favorite is. But I think right now, most people agree that Boston is a more viable championship uh, winner than the Milwaukee Bucks, so I think the Boston Celtics are the team that is the front runner. They've they've gotten enough talent, more than enough talent to win it. You don't have a first year coach anymore. Jason Tatum didn't play well the last time they were in the finals. He's got to be like all these things are lined up. It's yours now to go take. Most likely going to have home court advantage throughout the finals. Like you got to go get it and it's right there in front of you if you don't it's going to be to me a lot of people are going to look at this as a as a real failure if the Boston Celtics barring some sort of injury to one of those key guys right. assuming they're healthy people are going to look at this as a big failure if they don't win it here
0: here's why I didn't go with the Celtics cuz I agree that they have a lot of pressure and it's like you you're getting close to not coming up it, it, it gets tiring it gets um uh discouraging but If they have a repeat of last year, an unimpressive trip to the Eastern Conference Finals into a Game 7, but they come up short against Milwaukee or Philadelphia or even Miami, does this team blow up? Do they make major changes if that happens? Or do you say, man, we keep getting so close. One of these days, it's going to bounce our way.
1: You're asking me? No, I don't think they blow it up in that situation. I mean, I don't know. know, Does that mean move Jalen Brown?
0: I just think that's, yeah, th- I just think this is why I don't have them for pressure though legs. This is, yeah. this is why because it, to me, it looks like they're a team. That's like, unless they have a disaster, a first round, man, this team just doesn't, they're not made up of the right stuff short of that, which I don't see happening. I just think that this team looks at it and goes, Hey, we still have a window. Jason Tatum, still young Brown, still young. We still have these pieces. And that's why my answer was the Phoenix suns. Because the Phoenix Suns, to me, already had their first year with Kevin Durant last year. And you could say, okay, they weren't together for very long. They had to fill out the roster, whatever, whatever. This year, the fact that they are so far down in the standings that, one, they might not even make the playoffs. I mean, they might be a play-in team, and now it's a one-and-done. Anything can happen. And then, two, even if you make the playoffs – if the Phoenix Suns make the playoffs and lose in the first round, it's a failure. If the Phoenix Suns make the playoffs and lose in the second round, I think it's a hard, you have a hard time saying, Oh, yeah, but we did our thing. They went all in, they traded everything to build this team. And so for me, I think they have an enormous amount of pressure because their expectation is to win a championship. And at the moment, they have to hope to make it out of the play in. So to me, I think the Phoenix Suns are the team that is facing the most pressure. And unlike Boston, if they do come up, meaningfully short, even if you go to, say, a, a second round or even a conference finals, but you are blown out in a way that it's like, hey, we weren't that close. There might be major changes made to that team, and that's why I think they face real, real pressure. I like it. Um, the only thing I will
1: say, they were my runner-up. The only thing I will say that they might get, and they've already, looked they've already gone, you know, more to the, almost 40% of the season without one of their players, Right. And so as a result, they're they're starting out, as, they're 500 here, heading into 2024. Who knows how much ground they make up. There's a very good chance. They're, they're I don't know if they'll be a play-in team or not. They could be. They might be a six seed that has to go on the road right off right. the bat and play a really good team, right, because of what their regular season looked like. And so I feel like is there a built-in, a little bit of a built-in excuse about the injury bug? And by the way, there's a decent chance that they deal with this more Second half year, maybe Durant right. goes out for a month, yep. right? Maybe Booker goes down. Maybe Beal never makes it back. I just feel like, and they, you know, Frank Vogel, this is his first first go around with this group. I just feel like there's built in excuses as to why not this year. Uh, right. That might take a little bit of the pressure off of them. And I think right now, as we sit here, yeah, on paper, and I thought so too. I thought they were one of four teams I listed at the beginning. I'd be shocked if you know one of these four doesn't win it. They were one of those four teams. It's obviously going haywire because it hasn't. They haven't been together. Um, I, I I feel like they're going to get this reset. Okay, well, let's see what happens if we get all these guys healthy coming into camp and, boom, reloaded for next year. Because right now, as it stands, I don't know that they're going to be favored against several no different teams in the West. Yeah. So, so, therefore, if you're not favored, I feel like the pressure is taking off you a little bit. It's almost like, oh, it's house money at that point. Whereas Boston, barring an injury, they're yeah, going to be favored against true. every team they play. And that's if they right. don't come through in that situation I feel like I feel like that's a that, that's a people are going to look at that as a massive failure and, and especially if Tatum for some reason struggles in his series in which they lose he's going to have to wear that based on what he did in the finals a couple of years ago and now he's stringing them together and now the pressure really builds man can you actually be the best player on the floor in the finals and ring right. that bell and be a champion I, he's he's still not quite at the point where you it's really piling on It could be the case if they don't do it this year.
0: If we go players that have the most pressure, the person that I singled out was Joel Embiid. Embiid had a comment last year about does feel the pressure, and he said something to the effect of there are guys in this league that have two MVPs but haven't won anything, and why should I feel pressure? I'm not one of those guys. Well, he's on pace to have two MVPs and not have won anything. And I just think that he is a guy that you look at right now, not favored to win the title, although he is in the conversation, the Philadelphia 76ers. And then on top of that, you know, Embiid is a guy who has had his health concerns through his career and is in a string of health right now, where it's like last year he was healthy, this year he's healthy. I feel like there is only so many chances you get to to win a title. And this is maybe the best one that the 76ers team has had he's 30 years old i feel like he is facing a lot of pressure in 2024 the calendar year to really start to uh to, to get some wins
1: yeah i think the only um you're i you're right He's in, he was in my top three the only reason i think that i wouldn't put him first is because again they're going to be underdogs they're, no matter who is it they a heavy play, underdog, a heavy in, underdog? The sec- in the second round and beyond so you're let's assume they get milwaukee or boston in the second yeah. round no there you know you, you poll whoever you want to poll how many people think they're going to win that series right, you're not going to find a lot not a lot of people are going to go in on that
0: with, are they that hey. heavy of underdogs though legs because i because again i i feel like i'm off on this because i do agree with you that boston and milwaukee are in a tier above but i don't think the gap is that wide that i would not be shocked if the 76ers won a series against either of those teams I'd say I'm sh- shocked is maybe
1: a little bit heavy I would be surprised if the Philadelphia okay. 76 were to beat one of those two teams when, when when everybody's healthy and those two teams have home court advantage as well I that I, that would surprise me a little bit uh because I know look we all love Maxi and we know what it beats capable of I'm not necessarily in love with with the rest of their roster uh to the extent that I am a team like Boston I like Milwaukee better too so I think the for me it's just a little bit less. Expectation for that team, and here's the thing with Embiid. You know, don't get me wrong. If he doesn't play well, like if they lose a six or seven game series to one of those two teams, and Joel Embiid, you know, averages twenty one points a game and shoots under fifty percent from the field for the series, whatever it may be, no, he's going to get hammered for that. But if he if he averages thirty five and fourteen and has his normal numbers. And they just don't have enough to beat those teams. I, I don't think anybody's going to beat him up for that. It's like I did everything I could. I was his, his biggest challenge, honestly. Just be healthy. Go into the right. playoffs for once exactly. without something bothering you that's mm-hmm. significant that sort of derails your uh, your ability to play. My guy is Damian Lillard. Um, oh, because, I love this one. Look, man he spent he spent more than a decade in Portland. He finally gets out. Nobody had a problem with him finally wanting to leave. He did everything he could for the organization. They were never going to win in Portland. He goes finally. Okay, it's time. He goes, and what does he pair up with? He pairs up with a team that just won an NBA championship in recent memory. They've got an MVP that wants more that's still playing at that level. You now are the guy that they went and targeted and sought out to be the difference maker to get us through those moments in the playoffs where Embiid has struggled a little bit at times. Now, the deer that they wanted, he, he got through that. He had a 50-point closeout game in the finals. I understand that. He still has a number of games that he presses, man. We can all see it. He's trying to do everything as a scorer to win a game that he's got to win an important moment. Well, that's why you get this guy. He's a great closer. He does it from in different ways. He can do it from deep. He's, he's a guy that wants the ball in those moments. So you brought him in to be the solution and helping Giannis get another ring and get past a team like Boston. And you left a you know, lottery-bound team to come do this. Let's see. Be be this guy. You know, this guy. Right, this is what you right. want to see, right? I want to see this in a couple games in big moments against Boston. That's why they got him. He's got to deliver and get Milwaukee to the promised land. So I, I, got, I think Lillard's under a lot of pressure.
0: I, I love that pick. He was actually my second option on this one because he's also 33 years old. You know, that Steph Curry won his last title at 33 years old. So now you're talking about um, you, you think there's time, you know, there's extensions, they got to rock, they're going to be together, but you're only getting older from there. So I, I love that pick. I think that they should feel a lot of pressure, and I think he in particular should, should feel it. Um, we got to skip ahead legs and go all the way to our players that we think we will think of differently at the end of 2024. We wanted to say breakout candidate, but we don't necessarily, some of these players have already broke out, but we feel like maybe there's even more to go. So players that we think will think of differently by the end of 2024 than we do at the beginning. And I'll kind of, because I made the list here, legs, and you could kind of play off it, but I'm going to start with Cade Cunningham, who we both talked about at the very, at the top. Cade Cunningham's had a rough start to his career. The second year, obviously barely played. This year, they're on this huge losing streak. I think there are a lot of people that view him, rightfully so, and and say, "Is he a guy that you're a cor- is he a cornerstone player? Can you build a cornerstone, or can you can you build a team around him as your top guy?" We talked about how we don't know the answer to that, but I've seen some stuff out of Kate over the last couple of weeks that I'm impressed with, and this losing streak right now paints him. But I think that 2024 will be a year where it's like, nope, this guy actually has a lot of talent. And there's going to be a steep curve to how he's viewed. I think by the end of the year, it's not going to necessarily be this season. By the end of this season, but I think by the end of 2024, Cade Cunningham will be on the trajectory of those guys we were talking about earlier—the Ants, the Halliburtons—where you look at him and go, "Okay, these young guys are breaking into the uh, conversation for who has next."
1: Like that one a lot. He's he's uh, going through very difficult circumstances right now, but you know it could help formulate his leadership skills if he can you know get through this. Whether this, continue to play well, right? I do think it can help him from a leadership standpoint. I don't think losing this much is good for anybody, but I do think that, you know, he's a guy right now you're watching and starting to see it. I, I, I needed to see from him exactly what I'm seeing right now on a nightly basis. Like he can ramp it up a notch against other great players on the floor and leave it, and he's in that discussion with what you just watched as the dominant player on the court. And I didn't see a lot of that from him prior to this. So he's shown me a lot, man. And, and that's just, hopefully, you know, this whole situation doesn't become doable, too demoralizing or embarrassing. I don't think it will. Um, and you might be right about Kate Cunningham second half of the year when they have a more normal, right. Uh, you know, sort of season after this is over with whatever the streak ends. Um, I'm going to go with a guy that I, I'm thinking about in terms of, they're on teams that really matter because we're watching them so much. And I think I've watched him now for the beginning of the season, even training camp preseason all the way to now. Brandon Podzemski from Golden State. Um, yeah, he's a guy that every time I watch him, look, he's not going to necessarily put up big, splashy, gaudy numbers, although he kind of fills a stat sheet. He, he does a little bit of everything well. But I think if the Warriors can have a better second half of the year, which I think they will. I, I think they're going to be better than a 500 team the second half of the year. Can they avoid the play-in? We'll see. Maybe they're playing. Maybe they're maybe yeah. they're just a bugger. Who knows? But they're going to get into, I think, a playoff series at some point. And by that time, that late in the year, he's going to be a guy, I think, that you're going to be noticing and, like, having his imprint on these games and winning moments. They've got him out on the court a lot right now when they're making runs or they need a run because he does everything well. He's a really good defensive player. He makes great decisions with the ball and all the reads you've got to make Golden State. I don't think he shoots it at a high volume enough right now in looking for it. But so I think that's where I think the breakthrough will come for him. I think he will have more, you know, 15-point games then maybe some 20-point games as he realizes he's he's got more freedom to shoot the basketball. But right now, he's just a very good all-around player that always seems to be on the court when the Warriors make a run. And I think yeah. he's gonna be somebody that that the casual NBA fan's gonna know a lot more about in a couple of months.
0: I'm gonna go on a real deep one here and give you Tari Eason. So Tari Eason is a guy that is not on most people's radars. And if you talk about the Houston young core, you get to guys like Jalen Green before you get to him. You think of Shangoon and Jabari and you know maybe a couple others, Ahmed Thompson. But you don't get to Tari Eason, and I think by the end of the year, Tari Eason's going to be thought of as he a core piece of what they're trying to build there in a can't-miss guy. And right now, he's only playing about 20 minutes a game. If you look at his per 36 numbers, he is averaging 16 points, 12 rebounds, two steals, one and a half blocks. Very rare for guys to get to three and a half stocks a game. He is a guy that just naturally gets steals and blocks when he's on the court because of his athleticism his length his motor and he just does stuff i think tari easton is one of these guys that's going to have a steep curve in 2024 and right now he is only known by diehard nba fans i think he breaks in one rung above that where you go okay this is probably an untradeable piece of that houston core
1: i like that that's a good one that's a good one um and we got we had we had some other questions we didn't get to and some other names that are good to come up. I want to real quickly before we leave, we had talked about we I know we kind of ran out of time, the, the coach, and I'm gonna go in a different place because most people okay. think it's teams that are expected to win it this year. I think Jason Kidd could be under some pressure, man, because because of the volatility of those two guys, if they if this flames out in the first round or or, le- or less, they lose in the play in, or who knows how this ends, you get those guys' feathers ruffled, Luca and Kyrie. Don't be yeah. surprised if, if they start looking in Dallas for something different because you got a guy at that level on your roster that's sort of still a little bit emotional and immature. Who knows how he reacts if that goes that way? So I just wanted to, you know, kind of end it with that because yeah. we didn't talk about the coaches.
0: Yeah, we did. So that was we didn't get to coaches. We sped past it, but that's an interesting one because you always look at the Luka Doncic clock and, and think, you know, yeah. it's too early. I don't want to be the media that's talking about where should he go if he leaves or this or that. But you do. They missed the playoffs last year if you have a disappointing year this year, Luca, you just start to worry about the tension your star player brings. And the easiest move to make of any team is to get a new coach in there and hope that that gives a shot in the arm. So I'm with you. And also, by the way, Jason Kidd traditionally or historically as a coach has been a guy who has had less success every year. He kind of comes in, makes big changes and you have success. And every year there's like diminishing returns. So I could see it. It's a good one. I hope it doesn't happen though. I don't like talking about players leaving, especially Luca nah. comes around once a generation, man. You don't want to, yeah. I don't like talking about those guys getting so disgruntled that things like that happen. Um, you know, maybe we'll save a little bit of this more cuz I got more guys I want to talk about that we're not going to have time. Trey Murphy, Jaime Jaquez, guys that might become household names in 2024. So maybe we carry this over into the new year uh and get to that. But for now we're out of time. We're going to head out of here. I hope everybody has a very nice Uh, New Year's Eve and into New Year's next year, Um, and uh, gets a little time off before we circle back here next week and start off a very exciting 2024 season. We have some great games over the weekend. Tonight, Legs, I'm excited. Denver, Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City beat Denver in Denver. One of very few teams to do that, to win in Denver when Denver was healthy. They snuck one out last time. I think Denver has revenge on the mind. I think that's going to be the game of the night tonight. I'm excited for it.
1: I can't wait. I'm going to watch every second of that game, and let's just hope that nobody's got an idea tonight to play everybody in the first quarter of send them now.
0: So I just hope that that
1: kind of thing doesn't happen, man. I want, to see, I want to see everybody out there looking forward to that. That'll be one that, that I will be watching live as it happens, and I can't wait, hopefully, to give us something memorable.
0: I hope so as well. Everybody, thanks for tuning in. Don't forget, rate, review, subscribe. As we go into 2024, help us get these subscribe numbers up on YouTube, over 5,000 if we can. Buy the first. That would be great. And throw us a like on the way out. We'll see you. like the